No, so I was raised by refugees. My parents came from Cambodia. My mom was a slave. My dad had to escape the country. I would say I think my dad had like a big part of it. Like say if like the whole genocide thing didn't happen, they're from Cambodia. So if that didn't happen, I think my dad would probably be an entrepreneur. But when he came to have a life here, I see it more as like, oh, he's happy to have a family and stuff and like Mm -hmm. a regular job. But I remember growing up, my dad would like take me with him to like go fix air conditioners and stuff for like, you know, some, some extra income. So that was probably instilled with me like since I was a child. Welcome everybody to the Till Death Stop Me podcast because the inevitable is one day we are going to die. Sounds pretty morbid, right? But you wanna know what I think is even more depressing? Merely existing on this planet and not achieving, not going, not experiencing, not meeting, not having, every single thing that I've ever wanted in this life. We have one shot to do this thing right. So we might as well experience every single thing we've ever wanted, have every single thing that we've ever wanted, build communities with long lasting, meaningful relationships. Most importantly, achieve our ideal version of what success looks like to us. So that is why in this podcast, we're gonna be interviewing people that even against all the odds, have been able to do that and are working constantly every single day to build their ideal lifestyle. So without further ado, thank you for tuning in guys. Let's get into this episode. In today's episode on the TDSM podcast, we are going to be interviewing a very familiar face. We have with us today Rich from Hustle Ninjas. Rich has been on his Amazon and Etsy journey for over nine years. He has sold multiple seven figures over that period of time, and he's really figured out and actually specializes in helping people how to transition from solopreneurship to actually becoming a CEO of your company. So I'm excited to share his journey with you guys today. If you are looking to get inspired, you're definitely going to want to stay until the end. Let's get into the episode. All right, guys. And without further ado, welcome Rich to the TDSM podcast today. What's up? Thanks for having me. Been a longtime fan of yours. You provide some insane value to your audience. We're just excited to dive into your story and how you managed to get where you are today. So, give us a little background about how you got it started into this world of entrepreneurship. You have a big list of items in your resume. Now, today, you're mainly focused on your Etsy, um, but I'm still curious to hear about all the things that got you to Etsy before that as well? Sure. So I've done a lot. So basically I started in 2003. I started off as a graphic designer. Um, I was doing what every graphic designer does, freelance work, um, like making ads, making business card designs, promotional work. Uh, From there, I got into videography, did wedding videos, music videos, Um, got into like the car rental business for a little bit, did the Toro thing. Um, I did everything that every entrepreneur wanted to do, did stock trading, Bitcoin mining, (laughs) um, Bitcoin trading, you know, just got lost into the world. Uh, It wasn't until probably when I was 20, 21, 22, like maybe one of those years when I started diving more into e-com, I always like flipped, always resold things like on eBay and stuff, but it was um, 
Fiverr was the first thing where I was like, oh, I can make some kind of consistent income. I was selling graphic designs on there, but I was using flyer templates I already had. And at this time, you could only sell for $5. Like that's the original name of Fiverr. But at that time, that was probably my first like consistent flow of seeing something online. So, you know, a long time coming, eventually 2015, 2014 got into Etsy. And what did you start with on Etsy? specifically so originally i started with um stickers mm. i did final decals like i was making at the time I think it was uh it was real popular to do the, the monograms so you know like people wanted on the back window of their car or their shower doors so i did that i made a few listings i sold probably like three or four and then i started getting real irritated because we were making the stickers in house and anytime like the stickers touch each other it gets stuck to each other and we would have to like <laughs> start all over so i was so frustrated so um i actually ended up selling that vinyl cutter the sticker maker and then it wasn't until a few months later when i was like let me get into t-shirts and i didn't even know we could use that same uh vinyl cutter to make t-shirts so i had to go buy one again and then like my first month um it was july august and i was selling back to school t-shirts and then i made ten thousand dollars my first month and i was like oh okay so i, I think t-shirts might be better for me and where you were buying blank shirts, you weren't doing like print on like the printify or anything. You were buying bulk blanks and printing, like obviously printing them yourself. Yeah, but see, I didn't even know anything about going to a wholesale distributor. I didn't know about like Alpha Broder, SS Active. I didn't know about any of these places. I was still going to my local Walmart, buying <laughs> building t shirt. And if I wish I still had pictures, I still have like a whole bunch of it laying around, but it's like, I was literally going to Walmart, looking for a Navy t-shirt because someone ordered a Navy t-shirt. If it wasn't there, I had to go Hobby Lobby or Michael's. And so then you were I'll, doing print-on-demand model without the inventory yet. You're still, but you have yeah. to really go and get it. How old were you at this time? Oh, so at this time, this was 2014. I was 24. It was actually um, 2015. I was 25. 25. And yeah. that was how many years? Well, you said you started entrepreneurship when you were, what, 13? Yeah, so it was a lot of years before I got into Etsy. I was 13 years old when I first like made my first 50 bucks. <laughs> why? Why do you think you were such like an aspiring entrepreneur early on? This was very similar to me, and I know I've like interviewed other people on my channel, and you know a lot of people, you know, they came to their entrepreneurial phase of life much later on. But you were very similar to me, where it was like I was like young, like really young, like already stressed about how I was going to make it. So what was that for you? Why do you think you were so drawn to like entrepreneurship at such an unusual age? I honestly don't know. It was just in me. Um, I just always had to buy something and sell it. I always had to like make more off of it. I don't know what it was, but... It, were your parents in entrepreneurship? No, so I was raised by refugees. My parents came from Cambodia. My mom was a slave. Mm -hmm. My dad had to escape the country. I would say I think my dad had like a big part of it, but he okay. wasn't like say if like the whole genocide thing didn't happen. They're from Cambodia. So yeah. if that didn't happen, I think my dad would probably be an entrepreneur. But when he came to have a life here, I see it more as like, oh, he's happy to have a family and stuff and like mm -hmm. a regular job. But I remember growing up, my dad would like take me with him to like go fix air conditioners and stuff for like, you know, some some extra income. So that was probably instilled with me, like, since I was a child. Just hard work. Yeah. Like, just, was your mom working as well, or she just took care of you guys? Uh, yeah, my mom, she uh, she worked at 
at the time, let me see, when I was a kid, she worked at a Japanese restaurant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And you have siblings? Yeah, I have two older siblings. They're like eight, nine years older than me. <laughs> Are they into entrepreneurship as well or it's just you? No, nah, it's just me. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right, so we're 25, right? Would you say Etsy was, well, you were already seeing success in your other ventures before Etsy as well? Uh, yeah, but it was always like up and down. I never saw something where I was sitting at home and I could list something and I could see it being repeatable. Like, yeah. you know, once I listed a t-shirt, I was like, I didn't even have to go buy something to resell it. I didn't have to go shoot a video somewhere. You yeah. know, like I, I, had a design and it was sold multiple times in comparison to when I was a graphic designer, right. I was doing like one off, one base, one off base projects. Like, okay, you need a business card design, here's your business card design in comparison to like, Oh, I made one business card design and sold it hundreds of times. Wow. Wow. What was the transition from being that solopreneur for you to building something more at scale? Yeah, it was hard. So like the first two years, I still didn't even use print on demand. Yeah. Um, I found out about one locally about a year later, and it was called like JVI Signs or something like that. It was basically what Printful was. I found out about them before Printful, but like um, I manually had to do things. So I was selling baby blanket designs, and I found out that they could print and ship it to my customer for me, but it wasn't Printful. It wasn't integrated. So every time I got an order, I would just sit there and copy and paste the shipping info to them. I'm like, man, this is a hassle. So, <laughs> but I thought it was cool. That was like my first introduction to print on demand, like outside of us doing it. Mm-hmm. And then also through the years, I was always trying to find a faster process of uh, t-shirt printing. So mm-hmm. I got into everything in the apparel industry. I got into screen printing. I bought a direct-to-garment printer, got into dye sublimation, got into uh, heat transfers. It was, it was a variety of different things. Ended up hiring my cousins as employees. It was just, <laughs> it was just a handful. It wasn't until like I was more into print on demand until about two, three years later, and I really still didn't even fully use it until about like COVID. My first full year was one hundred forty thousand dollars in sales on Etsy, and that was two thousand fifteen. That's actually like my very first YouTube video. So, and then from there, we we just gradually increased. We doubled that the next year, and we we ended up like capping out at five hundred thousand dollars because I really didn't know how to outsource. I didn't know how to like get new designers and stuff. But that still wasn't even really until after COVID. COVID, I had that spike just because you know it was just a spike in sales. But you were clearing five hundred before COVID. Yeah, I mean that's pretty freaking good, especially in this space. And, yeah, and, and not as many people were shopping on Etsy at the time either. So. Yeah, but it was less competitive. Like we were selling T-shirts in 2015 for like $28, $30, like mm-hmm. lots higher profit margin. But even though I was making, I, I made so many dumb mistakes when I first started. Like I was shipping yeah. things priority. I was buying T-shirts from Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> like our margins could have been way better. Yeah. Well, you don't know what you don't know. I can list off a few of my hard <laughs> Um. Okay. Wow. Interesting. So with this new era of like everything being on demand and I, you know, you've said that you now kind of are moving away from like being the house and developing, like doing the developer, the fulfillment for yourself. Um, is it been a positive experience moving from printing everything yourself to like the print on demand providers or are the margins better or what are the pros and cons of like someone that wants to do it at home versus using a third-party uh, service? 
Uh, I still miss like fulfilling ourselves. Um, we were still like testing this over the past two years. So we we're using print on demand to fulfill all of our, you know, one-off designs that were getting printed. And then anything that was selling over 10 times a week, we would turn down to uh, transfers to get the rest of the margin and then do it in-house. But it, it was still just like a hassle. I still needed two people, two extra people to be able to do that. It wasn't until about this year I just really decided to go full on print on demand mm-hmm. just because of like the multiple different ventures. And honestly, a lot of it was just to be able to focus more on to make content to help other people be able to do it as well. Mm-hmm. But if it was up to me and like that was my only thing I had going on, like I, I, I'd probably still be fulfilling some things. Doing the fulfillment yourself. Both models are completely legitimate, I would say. It's just more so who's the person that's owning this business? You know, what are they willing to do or what is winning for them look like? I guess for each person that would be coming into the space, the guy that wants to do everything in-house versus, you know, someone that wants to completely outsource everything, what would be your best piece of advice for both type of business owners? Yeah, I mean, some people just like that control. Some people like the margin. We both have mutual friends in the space and we, we have friends who go both ways. We have yeah. people who have like a full on team, full on staff, like fulfilling themselves. And then we got people who just want to sit behind the computer. It's just really about, it's really about um, surveying yourself and seeing what you want to accomplish. Right. And if that doesn't add to like the end goal of what you want to accomplish like 10 years from now, then it's probably won't be for you. But if you do want to have that like large print house where you're fulfilling yourself, then that might be something you want to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So just like having that hard conversation with yourself and understanding both models and the potential of both models. We're seeing, you know, people crushing it um, with Printify and, you know, my designs, all these third-party platforms. Do you think that not being the house long-term, this is just my personal question since I don't do POD, do you think long-term that it's – the price competitive stores that are taking everything in-house are just going to end up winning. Do you think that that could be a potential threat for that, for the POD world? I see what you're saying. Yeah. The the only thing about that, I would say, I almost want to say no, because every like ridiculous, like print shop I've been in that does like well over eight figures a year, like close to a hundred million dollars a year, all started off like by being like, what we do like selling yeah. on Etsy or printing and then they end up doing all the printing stuff but then they end up wanting to be fulfillers for people like us right because then they don't have to focus on that but they they handle all the print work so I think a lot of the print shops that I've been in they always focus on more fulfillment at the end of the day instead of being a competitor right 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 that makes sense that definitely makes sense and there's just always going to be more more people like us than the house just like taking over market shares if that makes sense right yeah they they, they just make the huger volume of the pennies in comparison to us like mm-hmm. larger, larger right no what is your main thing now like as far as teaching people how to get into the space now are, are you teaching both verticals like how to become the house and how to do um, print on demand or what is, what do you enjoy teaching or sharing about the most? Uh, Right now, my main thing is just teaching people how to go a step beyond an Etsy. Like I really didn't learn all the automation stuff until like the past two years. And that's like one of those things that held me back from being like a full-time entrepreneur of like owning the business of Etsy and putting the team in place. And, you know, I didn't even really start using Google spreadsheets until like the past few years. So 
you know, that that's my whole thing is teaching people how to go from being a solopreneur in the space into like, you know, owning the business and having a team manage it for you. When did you realize that you were going to need a team or when did you realize that, hey, like I can actually really scale if there was like more than just me happening? Uh, it wasn't until I got onto YouTube and I tried to be a, you know, a teacher of the craft and then I was watching everyone else. I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm still a student. So <laughs> I'm like watching everyone else and I'm learning and I'm like, you know, they say one of the best ways to be, um, you know, the smart, I, I don't know the quote, but like, you know, if, if you want to be, if you want to be smarter about things, like be a teacher, because like, then you're constantly educating yourself to mm. um, what to educate other people. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I should be doing this myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the you started basically, what did you start doing first? You started offloading like SOP work that was just like time consuming within your own business so you can have more free time for other stuff? Yeah, I mean, our biggest bottleneck was always designs, even though like, you know, that's one thing where I got in my own way because like I was naturally a designer to begin mm -hmm. with. And that's probably like a lot of graphic designers issue is they think they they can design, but the thing is they can get burnt out really easy. They can't crank out like 10, 15 listings a day, every single day. So like that was our biggest bottleneck. And we all know like just creating more listings at the end of the day helps out with like your viewership on Etsy. So that was one of the first things like I outsourced and I was like, dang, I don't have to do this anymore. So <laughs> that was one how of the you, How did you find that person? How did, how were you able to, did you have to go through multiple people or? spend a lot of waste, invest money in places and people that didn't work out before you landed that person? Yeah. So at first I used my cousin. I taught my cousin how to design. <laughs> like I taught him the basics. Yeah. I taught him the basics at first. I was like, all right, first we're going to do like text designs. And then this is how you change this. This is how you do this really fast. And then, then we got a whole bunch of text designs up and then like it got into more intricate designs and it was like, man, he's going to come slow. <laughs> So then we got online, we started going upward, we started going online jobs, and then eventually we were able to find a few people. That's probably one of the biggest hesitations for people because they're like, you know, if they're the designer, they're like, there's no way that anyone can do what I do. And that's true, right? Even in like the art fulfillment, right? Like no one's ever going to do it as good as the owner or whatever. But with that being said, it is 100% possible. So when you're going to hire or yeah, hire somebody, what are like the key things that you're looking for in that graphic designer? Yeah. So I, I just want to look at experience, see if they've done it before. And then typically we just give them a grace period of about two weeks. We just want to see, I mean, they still get paid in full, but we just want to see how well they respond to us if they're on time, especially because the thing is a lot of times they're virtual. And if it's your first time hiring someone and it's online, you're going to have that, you want to micromanage them feeling, but like you just kind of want to give them a certain goal. You ask them what their goal is per day and then you'll see if they meet it like consistently. And what are like the red flags saying this person sucks? <laughs> uh, our red flag, not even a person sucks is whenever you hire someone online, they're constantly trying to get, they're trying to job stack because they're online. So they're, they'll tell you they, they can do it. But then like two days in they're they're more, and likely working for someone else at the same time and like trying to work for several people so you can kind of see the, the, see the, the yeah. yeah yeah so do you have like a three strike rule or is it just like you're in your grace period you messed up that's it you're fired within the two weeks i mean typically we could see it within like the first two three days 
Like okay. at first they start off strong and then it just starts getting slower and slower. Um, most people, if like they're consistent throughout the, like the whole two weeks, then you, you know, we, we give them a full shot, but you know, it, you can really see it within that first two weeks because uh, they just going to work as hard as they, they think they, they should to like deserve the paycheck that they think they should get. Mm. How much would you say on a monthly basis are you investing in one designer, like one really good designer? So a lot of people are going to be like, damn, how do you spend that low? <laughs> so a good designer, you'll probably spend like six, $700 a month. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's like a really good designer. But that designer probably is working other jobs at the same time, right? I mean, a designer like that, they should just be focused on your stuff. Oh, okay, okay. That's really, really good. And it's all like overseas people from Upwork or Fiverr. Yeah, most time is always going to be overseas. So now are you guaranteeing that they're only working for your company? Or do you think they are taking on other jobs? There's no there's no telling, but I can always, like, for me, I don't care if they take on other jobs, if they, they reach their goal per day. Like, if right. they give me 10 good listings every single day, then cool, whatever. Go do and whatever. now, with them fully integrated into your, into your business, they're doing 10 a day. I mean, 10 per designer is, is pretty reasonable. Per day? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really... Are you approving them? Like, every single time that someone, they give you a design, are you, like... They make it and then you have to prove or that you're just letting them post it? I just let them post it. Well, I don't let them post it. Well, it, it can go to another VA, but okay. um, you can let your other VA approve it. Or for me, my cousin does it. He looks at it and approves Trains. it. Trains. Okay. Yeah. But all started with your training and guidance, obviously. Yeah. So what do you what do you think the biggest objection or the, the, heart, the biggest hurdle um, comes with hiring that person for your company? Uh, so... I mean, not even myself, like I've realized a lot of my students have this issue too, okay. is I can train someone to like to teach them how to get sales, but I realized it was hard for me to teach someone to ha have the right eye for design itself. Like like your logo and behind you looks really good, but it's hard for me to explain to someone why it looks good. So that was the issue I had um, training people to, to hire designers. So I would just highly recommend... You know, if you're new to design, you, you really got to train yourself on the basics, the typography, the colors, mm -hmm. and like the layout, those things. So that's probably going to be your hardest thing when it comes to hiring a designer. That is so true. I literally just had like a two-hour consult this morning. And I, I mean, it's not just today, but I've had very similar experience with students where it's like, there's not much I can say other than like, you only get better at it by just doing it over and over and over and hating everything and hating everything. And then one day it just, you don't hate it as much <laughs> by doing it over and over again. Would you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree. Some people, you know, I get jealous. Some people it just comes naturally and they could just yeah. like create something amazing like the first time. But I'm like, it still takes me a little bit of time, <laughs> even though like I've been doing this forever. Yeah. 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 What is your big goal here coming up for the next, what's your 10 year plan? Where are you taking all this? Are you going to continue with, I mean, obviously you have your shop that's mainly outsourced now. Um, and you, I know you're trying to focus more on YouTube and teaching. What is all of this going to manifest into for Hustle Ninja? Uh, so for me, I've always like tried to, like I said, again, to like every business model in the apparel side, I got into the um, 
B2B side, did a lot of printing, you know, I did the Etsy thing. One thing I've never really like felt like I've truly accomplished was the clothing brand side. So, you know, I would like to have a brand that grows really well. So we've been focusing on that. We've been outsourcing our manufacturing, mm-hmm. but we're going to get more into wholesaling. Um, two of my cousins, I, I say cousins a lot. I got a lot of cousins, <laughs> but like two of my cousins, like our partners for it. One of them, he does a lot of sales. So he's pretty much structuring everything for wholesale. So I'd like to dive a lot more into that and hopefully be able to succeed with it. Oh, that's awesome. So it's going to be like a more collective, like a more, not just like shirts, but like an actual brand of clothing. Yeah. So a lot of it is not just screen printed, which is like most of the things here. A lot of it will be actually manufactured from scratch, like coaches jackets or, you know, tapestry hoodies or something. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. What, do you have a name for it yet? Uh, Yeah. So it's called After Hours. Oh, I love that. That's great. Wait, if you want to send me some uh oh, Yeah, I got you. I got you. Send me your address. <laughs> well, this has been super awesome. You gave a bunch of value. Um, before we start, you know, sharing all of your uh, how to get a hold of you or get to your uh, YouTube channel and everything, what is one thing you are never going to stop striving for until death stops you? Yeah, I mean, so I guess it, for me, it's really easy because I've been a parent since I was uh, had my firstborn mm. 2013. So I was 23. So, yeah, so I'll oh, never stop. What's that? How are you now? I'm 33. You're 33? Oh, shoot. Yeah. I thought you were younger than me. <laughs> a lot of people come on YouTube because, like, you know, there's so many, like, young entrepreneurs on here. They always think, like, I'm 18, 19 years old. You look like, like it. <laughs> yeah, okay. And especially with the toys in the background. Yeah, yeah. I guess it helps. But yeah, I guess I'll never stop being a dad. And um, the the thing about it is, uh, so my oldest son, he has autism. He has special needs. So it's one of the reasons, like, why I work so hard and why I understand, like, finances help. Uh, because, like, I have a reason why I, I pretty much accepted the fact that m- my son, I know he'll never be able to have some kind of, job that would give him some type of financial stability something that like pays him crazy you know so i've realized my income has to live beyond just my life itself i literally have to make my income live a whole nother lifespan so you know that's just one thing that probably never stopped me wow 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 Well, thank you, Rich. And guys, if you want to subscribe to his channel, I'm going to make sure I link that below. And he also has a free Etsy PDF. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, um, they can either go to my channel or Mm -hmm. hopefully click it down below. Um, (laughs) You will click it down below. Tell us more about the, the free guide that we have down below as well. Yeah. So if you don't know anything about Etsy by now, it's a six step, um, guide to Etsy success pretty much getting you from the listing to the final product and teaching you even print on demand. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rich. And make sure you guys check out his channel and grab that free PDF for yourself. And we will see you all in the next episode. Peace. Bye.